today on Ag News Daily. We've gone out and met with Kinsey Manufacturing, and they like what we're doing. They stated that we can contact their dealers and start selling through their dealers. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast brought to you today by Douglas Plant Health. To unharness your soil's fertility and maximize yield, consider Douglas Plant Health. Tanner, it's good to be back today. Yeah, how was your travels? It's good. I'm still traveling. I am in Fresno, California this week with a client and also attending the first FIRA USA conference, which is aimed at the robotics industry, Tanner, specifically for nuts, vegetables, and fruit growers. But I was doing a little reading the other night, and Fresno County, California, where I'm at, is the number one most productive agricultural county in the entire U.S., and I had no idea. Wow, I didn't realize that either. Here, I just figured you went out to this conference because you were a little nutty yourself. Oh, thank you. That was an easy layup <laughs> for you, wasn't it? Uh, that was perfect. Well, it leads right into my first piece of news. Obviously, we know water in California is really precious. Their drought that they're experiencing right now, scientists are saying, is the worst in the last 1,200 years. More than 50% increase in the number of wells that have dried up over the same time period last year. Their water crisis has really been the most severe in the San Joaquin Valley. But now there is an Australian company that is looking to provide an innovative solution to the water crisis by growing water that is sustainable for drinking. They are a company. The Australia-based Botanical Water Technologies is now partnering with California's Ingromar Packing Gene Company. Ingromar turns... San Joaquin Valley's tomatoes into ketchup and tomato paste. But Delaney, a natural byproduct of this process is water, which is usually flushed down the drain. They evaporate a lot of the tomato in order to create the ketchup and the tomato paste. And now this Australian company is looking for the ability to provide a self-contained unit that fits into a shipping container, can be set up there and can potentially provide more than 250 million gallons of water in a 90-day period during tomato harvest. So we'll see, Delaney, if this really comes into fruition. But this was 2019 Australia's Company of the Year. Their water was named the Beverage of the Year in Australia. And now they're looking to bring it to several thirsty California cities. Yeah, it sounds like they could certainly use it, Tanner, especially as we continue to look at the intensifying drought monitor. Large portion of the central valley there, the San Joaquin Valley, is still continuing to experience um, continued and expanded drought. Nationally, Tanner, we've got about 321.6 million acres of crops experiencing some level of drought right now, really kind of Florida and the eastern portion of the U.S. is really the only area of the U.S. that doesn't have quite a bit of drought impacting them. And about 31 million beef cattle across the country are living in some sort of uh, drought-stricken area. So the latest drought monitor shows a pocket of D2 severe drought emerging in Illinois, Tanner, with poor crop conditions and low hay yields in that southern portion of the state. So 
we're going to have to continue to watch this here as we um, see the crops coming out of the field to, to know, was it too late? Did they get rains timely enough or is that going to impact yield this year? Yeah, it is quite interesting. A lot of the Twitter hashtag no yield posts uh, certainly show a wide variety of good crops and bad crops. My parents who just finished harvest in Northwest Iowa uh, saw the first time they were able to start and continue throughout the entire season due to no repairs and no weather to stop. But of course, they're a little bit concerned about next year because all of the tile outlets are dry with no water running in the creeks. It's also dry in Temple, Texas. Delaney, I don't know if you saw this headline, but 73 vehicles were destroyed in a fire at a pumpkin patch outside mm. of Temple, Texas. The fire took place at the Robinson family farm where visitors are attending a pumpkin patch each fall. The fire broke out shortly after 1 p.m. and quickly spread through the car parking lot, destroying 73 vehicles. Two Patrons and four firefighters were treated for heat-related issues, but all released after being treated on site. Firefighters were able to contain the blaze after two and a half hours of burning, and they are suspicious, asking for people to come forward with witness testimony, but they assume it's due to a cigarette being thrown into dry grass and the drought conditions ignited a bigger blaze than normal, but that is not confirmed. They're looking for witnesses to come forward. But what a way to ruin an afternoon at the pumpkin patch. Yeah, no kidding. That wouldn't make you want to go back to the pumpkin patch anytime soon, would it? No, uh, not for me. Let's pause here real quick to recognize our sponsor for today. So for more than three decades, U.S. farmers, largely organic, have increased their yield with the help of SP1 Classic. As fertilizer costs are soaring and supply chain challenges looming, DPH Biologicals is expanding access to its trusted biofertilizer for you on every conventional acre. With TerraTrove SP1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer, growers can replace up to 50% of your starter fertilizer. If you're interested, visit dphbio.com to begin reclaiming your soil's fertility. At the extension of the landmark Black Sea grain deal, is largely still dependent on the West easing restrictions on their grain and fertilizer shipments. They said in a meeting in Moscow, Russia's deputy defense minister told the UN Secretary General that extending the deal, which of course unlocks Ukrainian agricultural exports, is still directly depends on ensuring a full implementation of all previously reached agreements with they, which they say that the Western portion of the world has not followed through on, Tanner. This is, of course, coming as Ukraine is hitting their stride here for getting uh, crops out of the field, as well as, Tanner, they're starting to trickle into winter. And that really, of course, could make a tough time for Ukrainian troops to continue to try to reclaim some of the territory that was lost in the eastern part of the country. And Russia has destroyed now nearly a third of Ukraine's power stations over the past week specifically in an attempt to make a miserable winter for Ukrainian citizens, Tanner. Yeah, that's unfortunate for those citizens. We did report last week on the fact that Russia was bringing up the lack of access of fertilizer exports through those ports. So this is not a surprise headline as they're trying to play a little bit more of hardball. 
But my story takes us down to the eastern cape of South Africa to Nelson Mandela Bay. $4.6 billion could be invested into a plant in this South African region to make green ammonia. So maybe counteract some of the fertilizer needs in the future. Coming out of Russia, the ammonia is made up of nitrogen and hydrogen, which is obviously the two items scientists put together in 1910 to create fertilizer. This could now be done, however, using water molecules and carbon from the air to create this green ammonia. It could be a completely green process to where they utilize electrosis to separate the water into hydrogen and oxygen. And then the air separation pulls nitrogen from the air. You put the hydrogen and nitrogen together to create your ammonia. Their project could start operations as soon as 2026. The plant is projected to cost $4.6 billion. It will be powered by solar and will get its water, obviously, from the ocean. The vast amounts there are needed. They also, in this area, Delaney, have a table salt factory that desalinates seawater, and they could tie right into that to continue to push things along. They're looking to potentially create at least 20,000 jobs, which would be great after this portion of South Africa was hit hard by COVID. They are also looking to uh, get that unemployment rate under control, but it's right next to a port. So maybe we could see up to 3% of the global ammonia production come from here in 2026 to raise to maybe 40% by 2050. So some big technology and big dollars being put down around this area in South Africa. Yeah, and that's great news for the long term here, but it really doesn't resolve our short-term fertilizer issues, Tanner, as we continue to watch fertilizer prices extremely volatile right now. You know, we have continued to report on DTN's fertilizer price tracker, and we've seen that fertilizer trends are still kind of trending lower here, Tanner, on five of the eight major fertilizers, which is great news for producers. But the big question is, do you lock it in now in the hopes that it goes back up and you made the right decision, or do you wait? And I think that's where a lot of farmers are at with some of their fall application that might be needing to go on the fields here soon. But for just the second time in six weeks, the price of 1034 was the only fertilizer showing a significant drop defined as DTN, defined by DTN as 5% or greater, whereas three fertilizers recorded drops of about 2% or higher. And all in all, Tanner, five of the eight major fertilizers are continuing to show lower trends here for the second week of October. And that's been the trend really for the past couple of months. So again, how do you make that decision right now to know whether or not to lock in your fertilizer needs or not? That's uh, a heavy challenge. I do not envy. Yeah, I would, I would agree too. And we've had some local areas here. Obviously we're experiencing a little bit of a chill this week, but previously had a warmer than average harvest, which makes the anhydrous application delayed. So potential windows and fear of temperatures in the soil going straight from too warm to apply to too frozen to apply has also been part of the discussion. But sticking with DTN here real quick, 
harvest progress. 40% of corn has now, 45% of corn has now been harvested as of Sunday. That's five percentage points behind last year, but five points ahead of the five-year average. Soybean harvest progress is at 63% harvested, up 19 points in the previous week. That's now five points ahead of last year's 58 and 11 points ahead of the five-year average. So we talked yesterday on a Market Monday interview that he was expecting that to be closer to the five-year average. And it looks like we are now ahead of that. So that probably doesn't bode well for markets when we get to that. Oh, However, winter wheat planting progress, 69% of that has now been planted. That's right on pace with the 68% average. Delaney, I wanted to hit a headline here real quick. The Biden administration has released a notice that they're planning to release another 10 to 15 million barrels of oil from the nation's emergency stockpile in effort to balance markets and prevent gasoline prices from rising. This strategic petroleum reserve would be the latest portion of the $180 million program that started earlier in the year. The administration is also expected this week to provide details in regards to how they plan to restock the energy stockpiles. And the Energy Department has announced that they may be looking at a method of buybacks to permit competitive fixed price bids that would potentially lock in the price prior to the crude even being delivered. So taking a look at this, just another headline I wanted to share more details, obviously, to come out of that. Well, Tanner, speaking of yield, we've seen the 2022 National Wheat Yield Contest winner announced with a 231.37 bushels per acre yield, which is a record-setting year for this National Wheat Yield Contest. This is just the third year, I believe, that they've had this contest. And winners were announced just this morning, Tuesday, October 18th, with three contest entries spending more than 200 bushels per acre. Tanner, crazy wheel crazy wheat yields that they've received here. But overall, the Pacific Northwest showed their ability to grow wheat once again. And the winner here was Gene Warren of Dayton, Washington. He won the dry land land winter wheat category with 166.12 bushels per acre. The irrigated spring wheat honors went to another gentleman in Washington with 195 bushels per acre. But overall, this is an interesting go of it to think that they're yielding wheat uh, as high as they're yielding corn acres here in the Midwest. Yeah, it is. And when you look at prices, that could be something really interesting to pay attention to as technology continues to evolve. But remember, for more than three decades, U.S. farmers have increased their yield with the help of SB1 Classic as fertilizer costs soar. And supply chain challenges loom. DPH Biologicals is expanding their access to the trusted biofertilizer for your conventional acre. With Teratrove SB1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer growers can now replace up to 50% of their starter fertilizer. Visit dphbio.com to begin reclaiming your soil fertility. That's all I've got for news today, Delaney. How did the markets open up? Well, dinner. I've got one more quick news story here that I think could have some impacts long term on the markets, and that is China's economic growth. Tanner, China's 20th Congress open session yesterday to discuss a variety of images, a variety of issues. Uh, but really, Tanner, the headline here was that there's going to be no immediate relief on their China's zero COVID policy. 
according to statements made at the Congress. And there's there's going to be continued lockdowns, they say, for the health and well-being of the people of China. They also said that due to this, their economic policy here moving forward is focused on quiet quality growth rather than the quick growth that we've seen here from them in the past, which is really kind of a big headline that reads between the lines there as to what we could expect here for China's future growth. They also, of course, discussed the topic of Taiwan, and they said that they will continue to reiterate their commitment to reunify with Taiwan in a peaceful process, Tanner. So, just a couple of big headlines that came out of that there. Uh, and we'll continue to see what other headlines come out of their meetings this week. But Tanner, what's coming out of the markets this morning is some mixed trade in the grain markets here. As we just have opened here this morning, new crop corn is trading down three and a half cents at 680. New crop soybeans up three and a half cents at 1388 and three quarters. December wheat down 11 and a half pennies on the morning at eight. 49 and a quarter. And when we hop over to take a look at the livestock markets today, we see green across the screen. The December live cattle contract up two pennies on the morning at a buck 49.22. November feeders up 32 and a half cents at 176.72 and a half. And December lean hogs up 15 cents at 85.10. Tanner, without further ado, let's kick it over to today's conversation. All right, Ag News Daily listeners, we have another fun conversation today. My pleasure to announce that our guest is Lynn Heck. She's co-owner of her business that her and her husband had started, but I'm going to let her jump right into introducing what that is. Lynn, thanks for jumping on the podcast. Oh, thank you for asking me. Our company is called Sprouting Our Important Legacy, LLC, and we use the acronym SOIL because that's a mouthful to say. I'm more a planting plate business as well as advice on how to run, what rate to run your seed at. The nice thing about our plates is instead of having to have a plate for every single seed, you could plant multiple seeds with our plates. I didn't know that that technology even existed. Where'd you guys come up with that idea? Well, he came up with the original idea back in the early 90s when they actually came up with an aluminum plate that fit over a corn planter disc that would allow the farmer to plant soybeans as well. So he was selling those and someone showed interest in the company. And so they purchased the company from him and he retired and then farmers started calling him and asking him to restart a business because he really liked working with him and his plates work well. He, he's adamant about doing testing and not just using the computer to run the analytics of how many seeds you're going to put in per acre or per inch. You know, that's all figured out through testing and math. No computers are involved. That's not where I thought the direction of the conversation was going to go. And I'm excited that we're having this because I know we probably have quite a few listeners out there that get frustrated switching seed plates back and forth. Is this a American company or where are you guys based out of? We're based out of Convoy, Ohio. So for 
the company that you guys have built, is it just you and your husband or do you have other employees working with you? Currently, it's just us because we're just getting started with selling plates again. So there's no need for extra help at this point in time. There will be soon. We've, we've gone out and met with Kinsey Manufacturing and they like what we're doing. They stated that we can contact their dealers and start selling through their dealers. That's cool. So do you and your husband do all the manufacturing as well? We have them molded down in Wilmington, Ohio, a molding company called CMT. That's pretty cool because they made the mold for us and then they suck in these black beads and they put it through this system that heats it up really hot. And then they push the mold, the melted plastic into the mold. And it's cool at the same time when it comes out, you definitely need to wear gloves to touch it because it's so warm. And then they put it on a drying table or a cooling table to help cool it down so that it doesn't warp because if it's cooled too quickly, the plates warp out of shape and then they're not usable. That is pretty cool. So the the research and the practicalness behind you and your husband's design, I assume that came from your husband. Has he, have you and your husband been farmers all your career as well? He's been a farmer his whole life. I've been a gardener, but most of it, I was an RN, which has nothing to do with farming <laughs> other than making sure that your food is healthy for you and not a lot of chemicals. So part of the reason we designed the plates was for the planting of cover crops as well, which helps the benefit the soil. No, I think that is a great thing to introduce our listeners to. So it is sprouting our important legacy LLC. The acronym is SOIL. Sprouting our important legacy.com is where our listeners can go and find you out. Started with a, com- a conversation with Kinsey, but are you guys looking at trying to get plates made for each kind of planter? Yes, we are. He has designs already for some John Deere and Precision, but the cost of getting the molds made inhibits us from just jumping and selling stuff for all of them right now. So we're hoping yeah. that the Kinsey will get it going and then we can get the other molds made. Awesome. Well, listeners, if you have a planner other than a Kinsey, let these guys know that you'd be interested so they know the demand is out there. But Lynn, thanks again for jumping on the Ag News Daily Podcast. We appreciate your conversation. Well, thanks, Lynn and Delaney. Thank you for joining me on the Tuesday here. I thought you might never come back with how smooth yesterday's solo edition of Ag News Daily went. Was pretty good. I didn't have to do a lot of editing, so I did appreciate that. Uh, no, that's really good. Listeners, we appreciate you sticking around. But for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.